faithful. Your host, your boy, George Mackay, back in studio again today. And man, oh man, do I have another returning guest today. This man has become one of my closest friends. I'm his, one of his biggest fans. He's an absolute amazing talent. Please welcome, from the darkest corners of your mind, Holden Albright. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> How are you, buddy? I'm all right. I just woke up, so like I'm 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 in that weird period of well rested, but kind of willing to go back to sleep. So, and you took some time out to to talk with me. I'm honored. I'm honored, man. Hell yeah, I like you, George. Oh, I appreciate that, brother. I like you too. <laughs> so Holden, you know, with all the stuff going on, I mean, we're pre-recording this in uh, mid-April. Episode's gonna drop in June officially. So I mean, we don't know where the world's gonna be from then till now. Uh, there were so many big things I was looking forward to this year, uh, for you and just for wrestling in general, indie wrestling here in Ontario. One of them was something I actually interviewed, uh, Fuerza a couple weeks ago, and we were discussing, uh, the match you guys had lined up at the crossbody show that was supposed to happen on March 28th. That did not happen. It was that two out of three, two out of three falls match for your crossbody world heavyweight championship. And I was looking so forward to that match. I loved the slow build. I loved everything about it. I loved where it was going. I loved him, you know, working the ranks through the Autobahn, race for the gold, and how beautifully, you know, you guys had orchestrated along with, uh, you know, the head of crossbody, Ben Ortmans. And, man, it was looking like it was going to be fire. And then because of COVID-19, it just didn't happen. But I know you and Flares are close friends. He had a lot of great things to say about you. Tell me about what that match might have been for you. I mean, I get it. It didn't happen. But let's think if it did happen. What would that match have been for you? I wanted to wrestle for 80 minutes. Shut up. Really? Yeah. I wanted to do two out of three falls. The first fall, a regular match where we'd go like 25 minutes and have a main event and then do a submission match and then do a last man standing match. And like, it'd be like a 25 minute match, a 12 minute match, and then like 30 plus. Jesus Christ. I would have been exhausted. I would have, I would have lost my voice screwing my head off. <laughs> you guys would have done it. You guys would have done it masterfully. I mean, that would. I would have been... forced Forza to do it. He did not want to do it. <laughs> I don't even think. I don't even think I told Ben. I just told Forza, like, oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> oh, and what was his? What was? I'm picturing already what his face was. His face was probably that. Uh, no, no. Yeah, no. he doesn't have faith. He doesn't have faith in his cardio. He's like, brother's gonna die twelve minutes in. <laughs> Oh, man, 80 minutes. That would have been epic. And I know you said you hadn't told Ben, but I'm sure if you did tell Ben, and if Ben's listening to this, he probably would have jumped at the chance. He probably would have been like, yep, absolutely, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I yeah, but unfortunately now with, like, the momentum of that storyline going into March 28th was one thing where it's like, now we don't know when the next show is. So stories change and such, but I wanted to wrestle for 80 minutes on March 28th. <laughs> I would, have, I would have absolutely loved to see that. But, you know, I've since you and I interviewed each other, actually it was last March, I believe, that we had you sitting actually in my basement in the Straight Talk Studios where I am now. But because of social distancing, we're doing this over the phone. But um, since, that ma- since that interview, I have seen so many impressive matches with you. Two stand out for me right off the hop, and I want to get into them with you. Uh, one was your match against Frankie the Beast, which was uh, Barn Burner. And you actually stole my bottle of water and you spit it in his face. So you still owe me a dollar for that bottle of water, by the way. I and thought we were friends. He's we a are, big no. dude. He was coming up from behind. <laughs> no, we are. We are. 
So we'll talk about that match in a bit, but the one match I do want to talk about right off the hop was that barn burner you had with Madman Fulton. I actually okay. inter- I actually interviewed Madman Fulton uh, that day, earlier in that day, before you guys had that match. And then you had that match, and you literally tore the house down. And the way it ended, with you taking that bump on the <laughs> security rail, I mean, I, I don't know how you walk away from the things you walk away from. Yeah, neither do I. Like you, and the funny thing was, after you took that bump, you got up, you know, you did the thing, you walked, you were definitely stumbling, definitely hurting, but then you went to the back, you signed autographs, you took pictures, and you were all smiles. I just... I gotta show that broken tooth off. Yes, yes. I mean, talk me through that. I mean, Fulton is a talent, uh, for sure, hands down. He's an impact star, he's part of OVE, and you're no slouch yourself. You are definitely one of the hottest up-and-comers in this Ontario indie scene. And whenever things get back to the new normal, whatever they might be, your star is your stock is just going to keep rising. I'm going to see you on TV one day doing big, big things. And I know that for sure. And I mean that from uh, a fan perspective, but also from you know a wrestling podcast perspective. Your talent level is just incredible. But, I mean, that match, the bumps you took, the bumps you gave, the fight, it wasn't... It, your matches aren't wrestling matches. I find them to be... A very very violent stories and they always yeah. end, up, end up in a war so talk me through talk me through the madman fulton match so that was a long three-day stretch so i i'm i did a showcase show the night before and i forget who i wrestled but i did a suicide dive where they did not catch me at all they like barely held on to my ankle so i just landed face first but I was able to like protect myself, so it did it. It looked way nastier than it should have. And then the next day, when we started the match, and I gave him like the three or two suicide dives at the beginning, because he's such a tall sob, my my mouth just went straight up against his forehead, and it rocked me. And I realized I accidentally gave myself a concussion on the Thursday, doing laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so the one day you hurt yourself really bad was the day you weren't wrestling. Yeah, I literally took my clothes out of the washer, and because it's like in this side little uh, room, almost like a closet kind of thing for the washer and dryer, I just turned to the left, and I thought the basket was there, but the corner of the the wall was there, so I just smoked myself. I like I sat down for like fifteen seconds, and I just thought, I'm like, okay, I'm all right. That was a dumb thing. And then the next night, I wrestled the match. I'm like, okay, it landed on my face. Not the best way I wanted to start. And then when I wrestled Fulton, I definitely rocked myself on like the second suicide dive. And I was wrestling the next 20 plus minutes with a minor concussion. Wow. And you know what, though? You couldn't tell because, like I said, flawless. And you're, you're always in there with the intentions of, you know, putting on an amazing show but also making sure you and your opponent across the ring are always safe. Safety comes first in everything that is done in this business. And you guys definitely took care of each other that night, but you also took each other to the limit. And I think that that match was a test for Fulton. And I don't know what the build was for that match, but with the ending, the way it was left, I thought for sure we were going to see another another match. And I guess I'm not sure if scheduling or something had happened, but we never really saw the end to that feud. So I think... I mean, in my head, I, 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 I know Ben's wheels are always turning, and I know he's probably, during this whole COVID-19 thing, he's probably got a million and one stories 
based yeah. on the storylines that he's working on, and he's probably pitching them every day. And I think it's awesome about the uh, the cross-body store that opened up on Pro Wrestling Tees and all that kind of stuff. I think supporting you guys is huge and, you know, supporting the brand and everything he's doing with Independent Wrestling TV. It's just a great product and a, and a great roster, and it's it's led by, you know, a fantastic human being uh, in Ben Ordnance. But um, was there a, a possible round two cooking for that storyline? I mean, I know Ben wouldn't, you know, give me too much of his trade secrets away, but... Since we're well past that feud now, and we were kind of looking at players and what may be next down the line, whenever the world gets back to normal, was there supposed to be a second match for that feud? Well, yeah, it was supposed to be when Fulton was able to come back, we would continue it, and it was going to be for uh, the October show, which I believe was the anniversary, and it ended up becoming me versus Jake something, and then me versus Jake something versus Elgin. But the, the August show, I believe it was, I forget who I wrestled, but... I called out Fulton at the end of it saying I want a rematch, but no disqualification, no rules. And then we had the London Taco Fest shows like a week later. And unfortunately, Fulton couldn't make the October show, but we were able to do me and Fuerza versus him and Pretty Ricky. And then me versus Fulton where we had a street fight at uh, at Taco Fest, and all three of those shows are available on uh, Crossbody's YouTube page. So we did complete that story, not the exact way we wanted to, but uh, I also wrestled Fulton at Destiny over SummerSlam weekend last year, and like I feel like Fulton definitely is a big man that just hasn't been given the opportunity yet. He was in the developmental of WWE. That's not the best place for everyone, so he's shining an impact now, but just like indies don't really know how to use big guys because there are so few of them, and I think most promotions don't want to like wager all this money on this big dude that'll probably get signed to the WWE or something, and just also big guys don't get as protected as they should now, so... It's do I wrestle three times a weekend and kind of give too much away or wrestle sparingly so I'm still protected. And Fulton keeps a busy schedule. If any promoter out there wants to book a big man that will that will go and protect his opponents. Like I learned TV wrestling time, which doesn't mean anything unless you're in the moment. But when we planned out that match, we were given X amount of time. And because we had to do the stuff after the match, and me and him are characters that we could like not do anything, Rock Hogan style, building up right before the match actually starts. So when we were queuing stuff, he was like, oh, this will take this much time. I'm like, wow, I've never wrestled with someone that knew this. So it was actually kind of an educational and learning experience for you. And knowing the guy you are, you soaked up all that knowledge you possibly could. Yes, every time I'm in the ring, I take it as a learning opportunity. If I'm wrestling someone who it's their fourth match or if I'm wrestling someone that they've been wrestling for 15 years once every three months, I go in there, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to make chicken salad. I don't care if I'm giving chicken shit or giving romaine lettuce or whatever. I'm going out there to make the best meal Holden Albright can. And when you say my matches aren't like wrestling, it's because I'm right now because of the quarantine, I've gained like a bunch of weight, but I'm a 275 plus pound dude. Uh, I throw some kicks. Even when I do flashy stuff, it's done dirty. So I'm not going to be wrestling like Ricochet and Osprey, but my favorite wrestler is Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
and not stunning Steve Austin, Stone Cold, him just coming in, stunning people before the Rumble, him just running in and attacking the corporation. Like That's the dude that I idolize. So, of course, my wrestling style isn't going to be Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man. But goddamn, I'll give you Kane versus Undertaker every goddamn night. Yes, you will. You'll give us Kane versus Undertaker in a buried alive match, an inferno match, and a hell in the cell. All rolled together in a nice little neat bow put under your Christmas tree. Please, I'll do that three stages of hell match. <laughs> so, uh, in in August, actually, I believe you fought Frankie the Beast. And that's actually my next match that I wanted to get into. Frankie's such a class act. I had him on the show, much like yourself. And he actually, in his interview, quote-unquote, called you a fucking amazing animal. Oh, I appreciate that. I love Frankie. Yeah, he called you a fucking amazing animal. And to quote it best, he said, Holden made me work. Much like, <laughs> much like he said that speedball Mike Bailey makes him work. He said that there was very a lot of similarities between the two of you as because when you kick and when you punch, you feel it. It hurts. <laughs> you make them work ten times better. And, again, that match, the ending, uh, again, something new and different. I saw you get swung over the top rope. Uh, being noosed by his rope. So, yeah. <laughs> and yet, I saw you walk away, go to the back, take photos, <laughs> sign autographs, and sell merch. So, I, and I, it still amazes me that all those shows I've seen you at, you walk away with very minimal injury and a smile on your face. And I love, I love the entrance. Like, we talked about the entrance in your interview, but at that time, I had never really seen it. And now seeing it, like, a dozen times knowing what's coming still makes my skin crawl <laughs> so i i gotta say i kudos to you for the methodical thinking of the character the design of everything that you've done and the way it's portrayed in such a a fresh light i i, I mean a dream match of mine for you would be just a one night only you and the fiend just going at each other. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on WWE. I think The Fiend is the only great thing in going in WWE right now. But, man, I, I could see Holden Albright and The Fiend just having a war. An absolute war. And that one would definitely have to be three stages of hell. That would be <laughs> that would be my dream match for you. 100% I respect the hell of what The Fiend has done. There's been other people when Bray first showed the character a lot of people messaged me or like tagged me on posts like oh albright's been doing this blah 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 and to be honest it wasn't until the last few months when i started right before the uh covid19 stuff happened i started getting back into making my promos mean something and just like reminding people hey i know how to do this shit uh and like i i was so happy everyone started making promos i'm like cool and then I just needed to remind people that, oh, yeah, I put a lot of time and effort into my promos. And uh, there were some times where I was looking back at something I was editing, and I was like, hmm, Bray did something similar to this. Okay, well, I'm going to do, because I get inspiration from mostly true crime and real serial killers. And it wasn't until watching the Funhouse match that I was like, wow, there is a lot of similarities. But it's the fact that I... I accept my evolution of my wrestling character. I know how I was my first match at Super Kick in front of a crowd versus my last time defending the title at Crossbody against Mike Bailey. I don't... A lot of people are in the moment of, 
this is my character now. I don't acknowledge what I was doing and trying to do six months ago. Where I'm like, no, that's your evolution. You, I don't know Pokemon well, but whatever the evolution of the fire thing is, you just get bigger and bigger. You never forget the original little dude, but like this new big dragon, you're like, God damn, that thing's big. So I, the Fiend, 100%, I see a lot of similarities, and I definitely want to wrestle him. But then going back to, and my thoughts and opinions on WWE is I love wrestling. That's clearly why I do it. So I try to keep up to date on everything. And luckily there's podcasts, so I don't have to suffer through three hours straight of a live show. But but going back to Frankie, it's when I, a lot of people I know in wrestling might try to be, I won't say lazy, but they could be injured going into a match, so they can't do 100% of the stuff they want to do. I could go into a match thinking, oh, I'm not going to do much in this match, and then while we're calling it, I get excited. I'm like, oh, can you do this? What if we did this? What if we did this? What if we did this? And then we end up wrestling really hard for 20 minutes. I don't think you go any other way, though. You don't wrestle not hard. I think you give it 150% every time. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to leave it all out there because in case something bad happens and any match is my last match, at least it's that's what you got. And it's also, I was talking to a few people about this. It's a weird branding thing that the showcase shows taught me this for the fact that on the main show, there might be 100, 150 plus people there. But on the showcase shows, those are legitimately, there could be a random Friday that 80 people show up. They're usually around closer to 35, 40 people. But then there's always a core, I want to say, 12 people that are at every showcase show, snowstorm or not, they'll be there. And that's why I always tell younger guys, I'm like, go wrestle in the showcase shows. A, you get to wrestle at least 20 times a year. And B, you get to learn how to wrestle in front of small crowds. Because if you can engage them, you can engage a bigger crowd, et cetera, et cetera. But I wrestled a real small show in Listowell, which is like two hours or an hour and a half north of Kitchener. And there was like six fans there, and the show drew about 15 people, but six of those fans go to every crossbody showcase show and every main show. And I was like, if I quote-unquote phone it in here, they're going to remember, oh, Brendan, yeah, Holden, Brendan didn't care about tonight, where it's like, I care about every night. I I, when I get booked for a show, I say, X announced my booking fee. They're like, okay, cool. We'll see you then. And I wrestle for that. I wrestle for the seven people that will enjoy it. I will make the 50 people who don't know who I am go, oh, I remember that guy. The dude with the wolf mask, the fat dude, the dude with the weird haircut, the big dude doing all the weird stuff. There's so many ways to pinpoint and remember Holden Albright that I use that. And Frankie's saying I brought it out of Speedball. Speedball beat the shit out of me in February when we finally wrestled. Yeah, I was there. Actually, that was the first cross-body show I took my wife to. And, okay. Uh, and uh, you took a picture with her, and you let her hold the title. Yet I've known you for a year, and I've never had my arms wrapped around a cross-body title. I'm a little bit bitter about that, too. But, um, well, get more attractive. I'm just saying, there's some surgery. Your wife's very beautiful. I appreciate that. Stop hitting on my wife. Stop hitting on my wife. <laughs> no, but she she saw you that that first time wrestling, and she had met you. Uh, she met you when you came to the house that one day. She yes. thought you were an absolute gentleman. You were an absolute sweetheart of a guy. And just to see you go at speedball, Mike Bailey, 
she just looked at me and she goes, that standing in that ring right now, she goes, that's the future of this business. And I looked back at her and I said, damn fucking right. And I, I mean that with all sincerity. I, I'm a big fan of Speedball Mike Bailey. I've watched him on YouTube for years. And the fact to get to see him in that size of a venue was absolutely incredible because I love the crossbody venue because it's intimate. It can fit a lot of people into it, but it's so intimate. And the crowds there are always great. There's always fans every time I do go down to a show. And I've been to like 2019, I must have been down to about seven or eight. So every time I do go down to a show, there's those regular fans. I see them all the time. They say what's up to me all the time. A couple of them listen to the show, and I appreciate them. So shout out to the Kitchener faithful, to the Crossbody faithful, for uh, uh, giving your boy a, a, a platform to speak every week. Uh, but Hell yeah. They, they, do, they do come out in drones, and they, they're all just drawn to everything about it. And it's, it's a product that's, that's been you know, molded and shaped into complete perfection with, with Ben's production experience and, and what he brings to the table, uh, what he's done with Impact. And how he's worked with Impact has only made him, I think, a better producer for that product. And now, now being on independent wrestling TV, it's going to get opened up to a whole new platform. And if anybody hasn't checked out the Crossbody page on independent wrestling TV, you should. Because it's a product I believe in. It's a product I endorse. It's a product that I've been able to interview so many great members of the roster. There's not a bad thing I could say about it. There really isn't. The roster works hard. The production team works hard. Everyone there is so respectful, so polite, and some of the genuine, most genuine, nicest people, and that's from the head down. And I don't say it often enough. And, uh, you know, Ben and I haven't seen each other since uh, the February show. But, uh, you know what, I respect him a lot. I respect everything he's done in his business, the opportunities he's given myself, and how great the product is. And as often as I can to shout out Crossbody, I absolutely will, because like Destiny, like Greek Town, like Revolution Women's Wrestling, like so many of the promotions that I'm proud to be affiliated with and proud to showcase on a regular basis, they're all absolutely fantastic. But Crossbody and Destiny definitely hold a very special place in my heart. The uh, the Crossbody like crowd is more like a family. It's so weird for like the way that I wrestle is not the most. Uh, it's not beautiful. It's more abstract art that like, you don't know what you're looking at, and it's such a a visceral being into it. And I I wrestled Addy Star in Peterborough uh, like a month ago. It was the last show I had before the quarantine and everything got locked down. And when I was calling the match with her, she told me that uh, we should do some more comedy spots. But like, I will do comedy spots. I love wrestling with Freddie Ricky but I also make him fucking wrestle. Because at the end of the day, if you get signed, and even if you're signed as a referee, a comedy gimmick, El Generico got signed and they took his mask away immediately. And Sami Zayn's incredible, so he didn't need it. So I'm always going that case, and then I realize, like, even if it's a family show, they like the realism of a fight. That will always get over. And so there was families there, and this was their first intergender wrestling match, and we basically had a New Japan-style match where you can check that out on YouTube. The full show's up there, main evented by uh, Wheeler versus uh, Josh Alexander. And, like, that whole show, everyone just cared. It was a smaller show. It was the first show for most of these families. And, like, I'm having kids cheering when Addie's beating the shit out of me later on because we built up the story. And it's like, I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for Crossbody. There's kids at Crossbody. Some of their first live shows at Crossbody 
was the Iron Man match I had with Josh. And I, I'm looking at them. I'm like, I can't believe your first show was a 60-minute match. That blows my mind. So I know that that gets over. And I was like, okay, well, I'm confident now. And luckily, Crossbody gave me that opportunity. It's Ben's baby. And in the last four and a half years, I've been there since the first show. I trained there in 2014. And it's like seeing everything grow, it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel like I helped. I don't take any credit for anything. It's Ben's baby. Kid would uh, give his feedback and his opinion. And Ryan Koverick is uh, the cameraman and like the production manager. But like, I say it's set up like an AWA studio taping where it's real small, but the production value is so good that you don't even realize that. And the people in the ring, especially the people that are there every month and the people that are at the showcase shows and still wrestle on the main shows, you can tell how much they care. And that's all, anything in life is all about caring. You have this podcast. I see you posting tweets and messages every day promoting the shows coming up. That's because you care and it's your baby. If you didn't care, how do you expect anyone else to care? Very true. 100% true. And I think that, that caringness is, is almost... Um, a contagious. I don't know if that's the right word to use in this day and time with the COVID nineteen yeah. stuff. But it, it's very when you see somebody's passion in something else, it makes you work even harder. And that is definitely one of the things about Ben Orman's, like you said, it's his baby, but his passion resonates through the whole roster, through every cameraman, through the catering guy, through the guys at the front door scanning tickets, through every single person it resonates. And it resonates into something very, very, very special. Usually, I always drive through Kitchener whenever I'm going out there because I'm always heading to Windsor or to London. But now, because mm-hmm. of Crossbody, I actually have a reason to go to Kitchener. <laughs> and it's a great fucking reason to go there. Plus, actually, some of the local food is dynamite. Some of those little mom-and-pop places are fantastic. Absolutely Yeah, fantastic. there's a lot of little, like, craft shops out there. Like, Jimbo Jones is, like, not a hippie or whatever you'd want to call him, but he's definitely one of these like local shop owners where a guy would own a cafe and then another guy owns his bar and it's seen that community. I always wanted to be a part of that community, but being in Brampton and Toronto, it's way easier to go to like a chain of something. But yeah, that everything is very much family and own made. Yeah. It gives it that little touch of almost nostalgic, like a forgotten era, because like you said, you and I, we both live in Brampton. We're so close to Toronto It's just easy to go to, where do you want to go for dinner tonight? Oh, let's go to Kelsey's. Let's go to Montana's. Let's go here. Let's go there. And they have those things in Kitchener too. But when you go to the, um, the little mom and pop shops, the local businesses, supporting the local businesses, I mean, that's huge. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is supporting the local talent, supporting the local wrestlers. As we're talking, I'm actually looking at the autograph that you signed for me at one of the shows. And it says, Sweet Nightmare is my favorite podcast. I'm pretty sure I told you to write that, but I'm happy that you wrote it. And it's on my wall. So you're actually, you and Josh are in front of my computer where I record everything and I edit all my shows. And the reason why, there's a methodical reason why I put both of you there is because I look at both of you as two people who I respect so much in this business, two people I'm honored to call friends and colleagues, and two people that are literally always welcomed on the show any freaking time they want. You call me at 10 o'clock on a Saturday with nothing to do, let's record a podcast, 150%. Let's absolutely do it. And one of the things I do want to ask, because this is this question's been burning a hole in my pocket. Um, so you know, you know, as it stands, whenever there's a, a, a larger than life character, they get their own match, 
The Undertaker has so many of his own matches. Uh, the oh, Buried, shit. The Buried Alive, the Hell... You know exactly where I'm going with this. The Buried yeah. Alive, the Hell in the Cell. Uh, there's so many. I mean, this past WrestleMania, we saw that Boneyard match. Shot beautifully. Him and AJ Styles, Carl uh, Anderson, Luke Gallows. What a match. Absolutely fantastic. Yep. And then now The Fiend has his own match with the Firefly Funhouse match. Every larger-than-life character has kind of their own match. So if Holden Albright ever gets to go on a larger-than-life stage and there would be a match that you could pitch to the head of whatever organization signs you up, and they all should be paying attention to you, by the way, but whatever organization signs you up and you choose to go with, if they give you an opportunity to run with your character the way it is now, the evolution of your character, how it's been over the last four years, and they said, you know what, Brandon Holden, we want to give you your own match. Give us some ideas. Now, I have an idea in mind, but I want to give you, I want you to share your idea first. Then if my idea sucks, I'm just going to say that's an awesome idea. Uh, I want to hear your idea first, because I'm trying to form my idea right now. So let me hear yours. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. All right, fine. Okay, so here Yeah, you also said you would ditch the idea if, it, if mine was better than yours. So I definitely want to hear yours first. <laughs> okay. I call this one The Darkest Corners of Your Mind. So okay. what I see as your match is done very cinematic style. And I see it being done always and forever in an abandoned psychiatric hospital. I see there being multiple stages through this match. The lobby working its way into the therapy rooms, definitely having a sequence done in the padded room, uh, maybe a couple straight jackets definitely being involved. I've seen you be put in a straight jacket also. Um, then I would see the electroshock therapy done, probably ending in a laboratory where experiments from the 1930s were done, lobotomies, so forth and so on, and ending up in a... Um, the only way to win the match is to literally uh, knock out your opponent. So it's almost like a last-man-standing match, but done in an abandoned psychiatric hospital. And you working through the levels of the hospital. That's kind of what I see. Darkest Quarters of Your Mind is a rough title, but that's my kind of concept for the original Holden Albright match. What do you think? You absolutely hate uh it? No, it's it's funny because there was one time of promotion, and I won't name the promotion or what specifics, but I was supposed to do something similar to that in the storyline I had about two years ago. And so that's still in the back of my mind of that venue that we run out of, where I'm like, okay, that might happen eventually. But when you're thinking, like, when you said match type, I thought it, like, I loved the Firefly Funhouse. I think that was my favorite match over WrestleMania weekend. So, I agree. I, 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 I agree. Yeah, I enjoyed the Boneyard match, and then I watched it back, like, three more times, and the replayability of that, I'm sure I'll enjoy it again in six months or a year, but you can watch that two or three times, get all the small things you missed, and you're like, okay, that was an awesome Undertaker match. Next one. And with the Firefly Funhouse, there were so, such small things and, like, the commitment from both Bray and John in it. And it's just, like, uh, that was a reward for being a wrestling fan. That was a reward for following the career of John Cena and knowing Hogan's Saturday Night Main Event to NWO. And you just get rewarded. And because I'm such a fucking wrestling nerd, I love that. Because it was just catering to me. Like, I'll watch a Marvel movie, 
but I don't watch all of them because I think the stakes are just too high for me to get invested in. And it's everyone loves these movies, and like I'll watch and be like, okay, that's cool. But now I get it after watching the Firefly Funhouse. I'm like, oh, now I understand what all you nerds like mark out about. I'm like, yeah, that's sweet. I get that out because I would always watch the YouTube videos of what this meant in the Avengers or what that meant. But like actually not needing a video and just going, oh, if Cena turned heel, it would be like a new NWO thing. Cena should have let Bray gone over at WrestleMania. Like it was all this fun stuff. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm into this. So I would, there will probably be some sort of Albright Asylum or something that involves me going through cinematically and us just brawling. I did message Fuerza when like everything started getting canceled. I'm like, at some point we need to like, film a video and like we might do it still so if anyone listens to this you get like the heads up exclusive but we might film a video to build up to our match whenever it happens because me and Forza being crossbody guys I think that's the only confirmed match on that show because Alex Shelley versus Del Bruno would have been great but also Alex Shelley was going to do a seminar earlier that day and I know me and Forza were super hyped for that to just learn so it's like there's not a lot on the March 28th card that could be salvaged, except the main event from that show will be the main event of the next show whenever it is. And I don't know if our match will be 80 minutes or 8 minutes to surprise people, but that's the element we get to play with being in the main event and also getting people that care about us. But my, I think like the ultimate buried alive version of an Albright match would be, I think it's a steel cage. There's no door on it, though. At the 10 or 15-minute mark, the ceiling comes down that has weapons hanging off of it, lethal lockdown style from Impact. And there are no... You can't win the match until after 20 or 30 minutes. So you have to beat the shit out of each other. And then you get weapons to beat the shit out of each other. And then you both qualify to actually lay a pinfall submission. So the fans are guaranteed 30 minutes of a fight. Well, I'm sitting here listening to that match and I'm positioned myself in the chair like the old man from the Wiser's commercial and now I'm just gonna, <laughs> and now I'm just going to do this. <laughs> well done. No, your my Thank idea you. my idea was okay, but yeah, weapons coming down locking you fully in a steel cage and you have to last 30 minutes before you can land a pin. Uh yeah. Uh, I got a couple words for you there. It's uh, shut up and take my fucking money. <laughs> when and where? I haven't had a steel cage match or a ladder match yet. Those are like my two. I need to have these matches. And I'm sure any promoter listening to the show or Ben, I'm sure he'll be listening to this episode. Uh, get your wheels turning. Let's see if we can make that happen. <laughs> we got to do it. We absolutely got to do it. Um, you know what? Let's talk about the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse match for whatever because there's a lot of people who loved it, a lot of people who hated it. Uh, you understand the concept. I understand the concept. But I see things a little differently than you. I, I did notice the little tidbits about how Cena, kind of like the NWO, should have let Bray go over and he didn't the first time they met. And now this time was much more different and all that kind of stuff. But I almost saw it as kind of a, a, a career match, but showcasing the failures of John Cena from when he used to wear the shorts with the same colors of your sports yeah. teams to his Ruthless Aggression entrance with Kurt Angle. Like, even in the Ruthless Aggression uh, docuseries on the WWE Network, he literally mentions that as his greatest failure. So that stuck out to me as uh, that was a match of The Fiend showing all of John Cena's failures. 
Is that the way you took it, or did you take it a little bit different? I I said it was more of a career retrospective for the fact of, like, we witnessed or we knew about those moments from watching other documentaries and stuff, but it was definitely featuring Cena's failures and weaknesses because it's supposed to be from the mind of Bray Wyatt, and it's like an abusive relationship and not, like, physically abusive but mentally abusive and you can have that with your parents you can have that with some of your friends unfortunately you can have that with your spouse or significant other where it's you don't think you're good enough and i think that was the character reasoning for bray wyatt because hey my friends and like i post all the time when i'm proud of my friends or what they're doing like vertigo went to the uk and unfortunately had to come back early but before he left i was like hey guys Vertigo is going to the UK for like the fifth time and he's killing it. If you guys aren't paying attention, you are blind, deaf and dumb. So I will always promote that. And that makes people feel good. The moment that people start, start, sorry, uh, start feeling bad is when they're told all the bad things, because naturally we all, unless people have all this self-confidence that I don't have, but we constantly tell ourselves what we did good and what we did bad. And we normally tell ourselves the bad way more than the good. So if I'm facing someone and I get to manipulate their mind, homie, I ain't telling them they're the best wrestler ever. I'm saying, yeah, you're good, but man, you kind of uh, shit the bed those last few matches, huh? You're kind of lazy. Hmm. And like, cause you just put those doubts in your mind. I'm not going to lie. There was, one match in the last two years. I have no idea who I wrestled, but I knew that I I didn't know. I was told for like a few days beforehand when the match was announced that that person is quote unquote lazy and to watch out. Unfortunately, it won't be that good of a match. And I told them when we were planning the match, what other people said, and that motivated them to work fucking hard that night. Wow. So they, in turn, of you going to them and saying, listen, this is what I've heard, but i got to judge it for myself. you got to yeah. go in there and work for me. They did. They went in there and they worked for you. Yeah, I didn't even say it that clear. I was just like, oh, yeah, a bunch of people were saying, like, you you don't wrestle too hard or, like, you just don't give 110%. And that night, that motherfucker gave 150%. It was probably his best match he's had in a while. It was definitely one of my best matches I had at that point. And, and then he literally just... Well, you can go tell those uh, those guys that uh, I didn't phone this one in. But then I think that's also a wrestler that when they wrestle, they want to wrestle someone serious because a lot of people will phone it in or think comedy's easy. Comedy's not easy. What I do is easy. It hurts and it's very snug, but that's easy. I'll just chop someone in the chest or forearm them or give them a headbutt. They'll get a reaction. Pretty Ricky, really good at comedy. Dan Housen, RJ City, all amazing. There's a lot of people that, oh, we'll just make a joke so we don't have to work hard. And it's like, but if you do that and you're not good at it, you're just using that as an excuse. And that shits on Pretty Ricky and other Colt Cabana and all these great comedy wrestlers. Because have you ever gone to an open mic night for stand-up comedy? It's not easy, and people bomb all the time. No, yeah, it's a hundred percent true. I uh, I love comedy wrestling. I think what they do is not easy. I've I've showcased Psycho Mike Danhausen. I have reached out to, hoping to hear back from him. Hopefully soon. Uh, RJ City's been on the show. Uh, Cody Deaner. 
we've talked about those comedy aspects and and those those storylines that are told pretty ricky as well i've had him on the show all fantastic talents all very good at what they do and it's not easy it's actually like you said it's harder to do that because not only do you have to make an entertaining wrestling match but you got to pretty much cut promos on the fly when you're doing that comedy wrestling you really have to you have to be on your a game with your mics and analytical skills but also knowing when to get the right reactions and those guys all deliver. I mean, my daughter and RJ City, they're like besties for fuck's sake. <laughs> like she she thinks the guy she thinks RJ City is absolutely one of the greatest and he is. He's absolutely is and he's also one of the most genuine human beings much yep. like yourself. And um, you know what? Uh, Dan Housen as well. I've met him a couple times at the Crossbody shows. Just what what a, what a class act of a guy. Psycho Mike. Psycho Mike. Actually, you know what the greatest thing is is when you go to a show, you catch up with an old guest. And they remember you, obviously. I mean, they probably get asked to do podcast interviews all the time. But when they remember your episode, the last crossbody show, Psycho Mike actually signed the autograph to my wife, which is hanging in my basement. So I guess, again, it must be just like you said. I have to be more attractive. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to steal your line. I'm gonna have to level up and gain some more attractiveness for sure. But there's um, surgeries. Yes, you're right. There's surgeries. I can. I can. You know go into a different form of things quite easily nowadays. Um, but he mentioned, he's like, you know what, dude, I, I, I love the podcast. It's very hard for me to just be open and honest like that. And you make it very easy to hold a conversation with you is super comfortable and super relaxing. And that was, that was the highlight of that night. Other than the great wrestling that I'd seen that for me was the highlight of that night. Him and Del Bruno, both kind of remembering me saying what's up, paying compliments like, you know, that's that's the rewarding factor for me, sharing your guys' stories, sharing your guys' passion, having conversations with you guys, and having returning guests like yourself, Fuerza, Josh Alexander, who have all returned in recent podcasts. That's something special for me, and that's, that's something I know I'm on the right track, and when I hear that kind of stuff, it really does make me work that much harder to be just as amazing as all you guys in the ring. Well, we appreciate hard work. That's why we appreciate you. Yeah, I'm going to tear up right now. Are we having a bromance <laughs> moment? Are we having one? I'm excited. Apparently. <laughs> All right, so before we go, one more question. Hopefully, like, by the time this airs, COVID-19 is a little bit more subsided. The world's kind of opening up. We already know that the first match out the gate, you definitely want to have Fuerza. But I've got a question for you. You recently, um, this this past year, you've made your, uh, you made your um, uh, return to destiny, if you will. I saw you at a, a more recent show. And it was absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it was in November or January that I saw you at the uh, the Destiny show. Is there more lined up for you with Destiny when the doors open up there again as well? Uh, me and Iceman have a good rapport. Uh, there's nothing on the calendar right now, but there's legitimately nothing on the calendar right now. I, I haven't looked at my bookings in the past month because I don't know if... As of right now, I think people are hoping that September we can get shows going again. But, like, do you see how dumb some people are with still having, like, gatherings? And I understand it's Easter and, like, those people wanted to gather families. I'm like, I get it. You took that risk. But then there's people just, like, in my neighborhood that are gathering every other night. And I'm like, I haven't seen my friends in a fucking month. Can you guys not because i still go to work i work in a i work for a shipping company so i'm still quote unquote essential employees but so i take that risk but if i'm not feeling well or i think i'm sick i'm not near 
anybody, and we're still keeping, like, social distancing and stuff. But there's assholes out here that are on EI and still just hanging out with their friends, and I'm like, why? I wish I could do that, but I'm stuck at home. I'll go for drives, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in my van. So there's nothing on the calendar at all right now, because there's some indie shows that they only know the next two months they're running because their schedule is so busy that they can only run when they're available. And now they technically don't have any shows for the next year. And it's you, everything's so up in the air. But what I try to do is last year, I probably wrestled the most out of anyone locally and wrestled for the most promotions. And that's just, I build a reputation and my brand of you will be entertained. You will pay for quality and your fans won't look at my match and hate pro wrestling because of it. So I get booked a lot, and I wrestle a lot, and that's all I care about. But Destiny's a great promotion. I love that they care from Gigi shooting the indies of photographer to Iceman to Josh being that champion and being a locker room leader. And so I know for sure the door is open there. It all just depends on availability. Right on, right on. Well, I want you to go back to sleep. I want you to enjoy your night. I, myself, like you, am an essential worker. Not when I'm not talking to amazing wrestling talent like you. I am a dispatcher for a trucking company as well that ships food. Okay. So I am essential as well. So other than going to work and coming home and spending time with my, uh, quote to quote you, a beautiful wife, which she absolutely is, she's a stunner, <laughs> and uh, my two beautiful daughters, who I will be bringing when the next Tross Body Show happens, you bet your ass I'll be bringing the mini host with me because she definitely wants to do a five questions with Holden Albright. So, uh, oh, Lord. we're going to have to set that up. I don't know if you've checked out the YouTube page, but we just dropped a new segment. So check it out. It's called uh, five questions with the mini host. And if you dig it, then we're going to sign you up for when the show start up again, you're going to do it. Oh, I'm segment. down to do it. Absolutely. I'll let her know. Cause she wanted me to ask you. So you go enjoy the rest of your evening. And I can't wait to see you back in the ring again, buddy. When I see you back in the ring, man, I'm going to give you the biggest hug in the world. Thank you very much. See you soon, George. All right, you take care, my friend. Bye-bye. Well, guys, what can I say? That was Holden Albright. Absolutely amazing cat. One of the best dudes I know in this business. And this was another great conversation. Round two in the books with Holden Albright. And you know there's going to be a round three. You know there will be. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George McKay. Thank you so much for listening. And, you know... Hopefully when this drops in June, the world will be starting to get back to normal. But if not, stay safe, stay socially distant. Peace, love, and wrestling. See you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.